0: All right, good morning. It's good to see you. I'm so grateful that you are uh, here and chosen to worship with us. Thank you to all of you that are joining us online today. So grateful that you are here. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 1 this morning. So if you need a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you. Uh, Just turn right to the middle of it. That should be the book of Psalms. Grab your app, whatever you're using. I'd love for you to be able to look at the scripture today. While you're uh, turning there, let me just uh, tell you uh, of an event that is uh, near and dear to me that is coming up. It's September 24 and 25, and we are going to host a Jewish Roots of the Christian Faith uh, Weekend. And that is a passion point for me, uh, particularly, I've really been influenced uh, through the years, Understanding the Hebrew context of the scriptures, understanding Jesus as a Jewish Messiah, and all that that means for our, uh, our walk and our faith. And so, to do that, I'm bringing someone who is also near and dear to me. His name is Ronan bin Moshe. Uh, he has been uh, my counterpart in Israel since 2008. Ronan is a teacher, a scholar a guide. And so on September 24, I think we have pictures. I don't know if we already showed them. Did we show them? Maybe. I just want you to see him. That's Ronan. He has one eyebrow, but he shaves that part in the middle. Hey, Ronan, if you're watching. Um, So he, he is definitely my Jewish brother, and I'm really grateful for him. Ronan and I have done a lot of work together through the years. He's Jewish, not Christian. I think you need to understand that coming in. Uh, I'm Christian, though. And so I will show you how the roots connect in the gospel and all of that. And I'm really excited about that. He is going to be talking on September 24, Saturday. We'll actually be team teaching about Rosh Hashanah. That's actually happening September 24, 25. It's the Festival of the Trumpets. We'll be talking about all of that, what it means not only uh, in the original context, but also what it means for us today and what it means for the uh, end times according to the scripture. So we'll be talking about Rosh Hashanah. It's a month of atonement and forgiveness and repentance. And so on Sunday morning, that'll be Saturday, the 24th, Sunday, he'll be teaching with me here. We'll be talking about Shuva, which is repentance. So he will talk about Shuva from the Hebrew context. And then I will talk about the gift of repentance uh, that we get in being able to repent and turning to Jesus. And you'll see that tie. And so I'd invite you to come. I'd invite you to bring people. I think it's going to be a really great weekend. uh, And I hope hope that you can come. Okay. We are starting a new series today called Hashtag Blessed. If you're on social media... You will see from time to time people using this hashtag. Hashtag blessed. It's like the Aggies won. Hashtag blessed, right? Or we're uh, we're we're on a cruise, we're blessed, right? Or we didn't get flooded like everybody else. We're more blessed than uh, you and, and what I find in the context of even Christendom in the United States of America is we have a really funky understanding of what it means to be blessed biblically. And we would say, even in this church, we don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but it comes out of us in ways not not sometimes so obvious. And so what I want to do over the next six weeks is take six passages of scripture and focus on what does it mean to be biblically Blessed. What does it mean to be biblically blessed? And today we'll start with uh, Psalm chapter 1. So I'm going to get you to stand up one more time. This has been the Sunday of standing up. And uh, we're going to read the word, Psalm 1, 1 to 6. And if you're our guest, we say this phrase, the very words at the end of the main text reading, just to distinguish God's word from my own. So here's what it says in Psalm 1. Blessed is Chaff that the wind drives away, therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment in the judgment, not nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You can be seated first word in Psalm chapter one is blessed, blessed is the man or the woman in this case. Who walks not in the counsel of wicked, of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. What does it mean to be blessed, really? The word blessed here is a Hebrew word, "osre," which is like, it really is like happy or happiness. Um, it is a perspective that is completely different than we think of when we think of what does it mean to be happy. You know you can be begging poor and be biblically blessed. Did you know that? You could be begging poor and be biblically blessed. You can be very, very, very wealthy and be biblically blessed. You can be very 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 wealthy and not be biblically blessed. You can be very, very, very poor and not be biblically blessed. It has nothing to do with what we have and everything to do with how we connect with our Father. And so I want to take a look at this uh, closely. So here's kind of point number one. We all know this intuitively, but I think it's worth stating that whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes his or her life. Whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes his or her life. Now the psalmist here uses the negative to make a point about the blessed life. He says this, uh, who, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So when we see the words counsel and way uh, and seat, Counsel is like thinking. It is, it is representative of our thinking. Someone who walks in the counsel of the wicked is someone who listens to the wicked and thinks like the wicked and so walks like the wicked. Someone who stands in the way of sinners. Way is like a path a road. So someone who is walking the way of sinners is someone who has listened to the counsel of the wicked. They think like the wicked and they behave. This is our kind of behaving tendency. They walk in the way or stand in the way of sinners. And then it says, or sits in the seat of scoffers. This sitting in the seat is this idea of belonging. Not only do they think based on the counsel of the wicked. Not only do they behave because of their way of thinking, based on the counsel of the wicked, but now they belong. They sit in the seat of scoffers, and their belonging, their very identity is shaped from their thinking, which is rooted in the counsel of the wicked. Now, the flip side of that if whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes his life, the flip side of that, if, if our counsel comes from the word of God, then our way that we walk, our behaving is shaped by the way that we think and our belonging, our, our identity becomes uh, one who is a follower of Christ, a follower of God. Whatever shapes a person thinking Shapes his life. Think about this for just a moment. What do you dwell on in your thinking? If someone dwells on sports, like ninety-five percent of the time, they they know. I was with a friend one time, and we went to—I don't remember what stadium it was, but anyway, there was athletes on the on on the wall. It was uh, Toyota Center. And there are all these basketball players on the wall. And he was like, can you name all these basketball players? I was like, no, the beard, I see him, but I don't know the rest of them. And I was like, can you name the 12 disciples? And he was like, ah, no. It's like, it's it's all about what we think about. People dwell on a lot of different things, right? We dwell on sports. We dwell on politics. We think it shapes our thinking, like breaking news. People dwell on breaking news. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people dwell on. Drama. Some people dwell on the drama that's going on in the life of people around them. Uh, All kinds of things. Shape people's thinking, what you read, what you watch, what you take in. my mom used to say this thing uh, all the time. There was this uh, Saturday morning. How many of you remember when you would get up on Saturday morning cartoons early right? Come on, like kids that today they can Netflix anytime they want, but we used to have to get up. remember like six thirty, seven o'clock on Saturday, and i didn't have a remote, so I like had two channels I had to change between. How many kids can remember life without a remote? Come on, yes. Um, and uh, there, there was this like version of educational cartoons uh, that would come on different different times, like commercials in between the cartoons. And there was one uh, that I remember the phrase all the time. It was, it, and it was this like weird looking monsterish guy, and he would say, "I'm a yuck mouth because I don't brush," and it was teaching you to brush your teeth. Does anybody remember? The yuck mouth, right? And my mom would always say, like, you're going to be a yuck mouth if you don't brush. But then she would add this thing, and it was like, and you're going to, your brain's going to be full of yuck if you put bad stuff in there. I was like, five. I was like, I'm just trying to learn to brush my teeth. But I always think about that because thinking, what we think about shapes who we are. And that's the focus of this particular psalm. It's, it's really talking about the blessed way of living. Whatever whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes his life. The counsel they listen to, the way that they walk, the, the belonging, their identity, the seat that they sit in. Now, this, this is kind of the second point in verse 2 of the psalm. The blessed life is one that delights in the Word of God. The blessed life is one that delights in the Word of God. So look at verse 2. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So the blessed man is not the one who walks in the counsel of the wicked, not the one who stands in the way of sinners, not the one who sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, the delight of the blessed man or woman, is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. Now that word law of the Lord... That word law is the word Torah, and it gets used two different ways. One is, is for the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Sometimes Torah is used in a more general way, meaning all the writings, all the, the words of God. And that's how it's used here. Certainly, it's setting up the reader to read all of the, the Psalms and to meditate on them. So the blessed life is one that delights In the word of God, delight takes pleasure in the word of God. So much so that they they meditate on it day and night. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. I don't know if you've thought about that recently, but there is a clear pattern in the scripture that teaches us that people that are blessed by God are the ones that delight in his word. The ones that hear his word and obey his word. Meditate on his word and obey his word. Uh, so much so, I mean, these two passages of scripture are phenomenal to me when you think about history. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18 to 20. This is what is written in the law of Moses for any king of Israel that will ever lead Israel. Listen to what it says. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this Torah, this law approved by the Levitical priest. So he has got to write down the words of God in a blank book and he's got to take it to the Levitical priest and they are going to have to look over it and make sure the king copied the word of God correctly. Why? He shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priest and it shall be with him. Okay, so the king has to keep a copy with him all the time. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. So every day he's got to read what he wrote down, which is a copy of the word. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all of the words of the law and the statutes and doing them. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers. In other words, to keep him humble. And that he may not turn aside from the command. In other words, so he doesn't start taking counsel from the wicked and walking in the way of sinners and sitting in the seat of scoffers. Either to to the right or to the left. uh, That is actually political in Israel. There's a a hard way one way and a hard way the other way. And neither one is the right way. We need to stick with the word, which is amazing. So that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. In other words, so that he will be blessed. So the king of Israel, chosen by God, anointed by the prophet, has to copy the word down. He's got to keep it with him. He's got to meditate on it day and night. He's got to live by it so he'll be blessed. So he'll stay humble, so he'll walk in the truth, so he'll have a blessed life, he and his children after him. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Again, in history, Joshua is the one raised up by Moses, called by God, who leads the people out of the wilderness and into the promised land for the first time. Here's what it says. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Here's his command. The book of the law, the Torah, shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then will, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. In other words, if the book of the law doesn't depart from your mouth, if you meditate on it day and night and you're careful to live according to it, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. And we see this throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Hear the word of God. Obey the word of God. This is the blessed life. Now, has anybody struggled with the idea of meditating on the word of God day and night? How many of you do that? Stand up. Run, run to the front. Right? I mean, day and night. Day and night, 24-7, how do you do that? Why would we meditate on the scripture day and night in our own lives? So when you hear that day and night, understand that there is a rhythm in the Hebrew context that is morning prayers and evening prayers. Morning prayers and evening prayers. And while you might think about the scripture throughout the day, it's not that you're only meditating on the scripture day and night. You're, you're, you're a father, you're a mother, you're a husband. You have to go to work. You have to do these things just like all of you have to do. But morning and evening, there's a time. There's a time where we open the word, where we read it, where we meditate on it. And then throughout the day, it shapes us. We think about it even in light of the application of of our own own lives. Again, everyone meditates on something. You are constantly thinking, people. Uh, No one is like... "Mm." You're thinking about something. A lot of times our thinking is driven by our own trauma, our own wound, our own hurt, our own fear, right? When we get absorbed with those things... Sometimes our thinking turns like deep and dark. And the reality is if we can meditate, this isn't the, the end all for trauma, but if we can meditate on the very word of God, it begins to lift our eyes up and begins to help us see the goodness of God and the path, the way that we can walk even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Everybody meditates on something. Video games. Lots of people meditate on video games. Pornography. You wouldn't say you're meditating on pornography, but if you're looking at pornography regularly, it's shaping your thinking. See, everybody meditates on something. Political junkie, I mean, all of it. Everybody meditates on something. What are you meditating on? The the blessed life is shaped when a person is thinking, delighting in, and walking in the way of the word of God. So how do you meditate day and night? And I, I mean, you might have two problems with this message already. Number one might be, I don't delight in the word of God. There's nothing in me that wants to go open it and read it. There's probably a percentage of people in this room that would say, like, that's, that's where I'm, I'm at currently. Others of you might say, I just don't know how to meditate on it like that. What am I, what am I supposed to do? So how do I get over the I don't feel like it? I don't feel like it. It's the best explanation I have. Uh, There are things that are very good for you that when you first start are really hard and sometimes painful, like working out. It doesn't feel good at first. Nobody wants to do it at first. It's hard to get up. It's all that kind of thing. But if you do it over and over and over again, your body gets healthier, your mind gets healthier, all those kinds of things. It's a feeble example. The scripture is like that. If you feel like, I don't feel like reading it today, okay, do it anyway. Go to the scripture and confess to God, I don't feel like reading your word today. Do you know he's not surprised by that? He knows we're fickle people. He tells us like, remember, 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 remember all through the scriptures because we always forget everything because we don't keep reading the word. Do it anyway. I'm saying do something you don't wanna do, which is is highly un-American, right? We do what we wanna do. I'm saying do something you don't wanna do if you're in that category. Lean into it. Do it anyway. I'm going to give you an easy way to start today, but lean into it. Because what you'll find over time as you pray, I confess, I don't want to be here, but would you please speak to me? What you'll find over time is that God begins to speak to you. You begin to have ears to hear and eyes to see, and pretty soon, you won't want to miss that. See so lean into it anyway. What about those of you that are like I don't I, I don't know how to do that? Well the word meditate sort of actually answers the question for how to to do this. You know the You know what an automatopoeia is I can't even say it. What sound does a bee make? Bzz, how do you spell it? B z z z z, right? Bzz. You know there are words like that in every language. Those of you that speak another language, there's automatopoeias in every language, right? In Hebrew, the word "meditate" is a an onomatopoeia. It's like, uh, it's "hagah" is the is the Hebrew word for meditate. But if you mutter it, it's like "hagah, hagah, 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 hagah," and it's the murmur. It's it's if you went to the Western Wall even today and listened to Orthodox. Jewish people, they've got a prayer book and what you hear is they're meditating and they're murmuring on the word of God. So this kind of actually begins to give us a clue about what this is supposed to be like. So what would you do to meditate on the word of God every day? Well, you would begin by simply opening the scripture and reading a verse or two or a passage. And, and let's say you read Psalm 1 today, and you're, you're blessed as the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat, way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. And maybe you soap that we use that that tool here scripture observation application prayer takes you 10 minutes and you heard like okay the blessed life is not you know did 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 uh did did i get to go on a cruise this year or did my house not flood this year or did i make money this year did i not? that's not the blessed life the blessed life is one characterized by those who delight in the word of god and walk in that way so Uh, I know that, so I heard it. I heard from God. Thank you for that truth. And as I go about my day, whatever I have to do, I have to go to work. You have to go to work. You might have to go to school. You may be be, uh, taking care of people. All kinds of things you have to do. When you do that throughout the day, focus your attention on what you read in the morning. So... So, I, someone gave me this trick a long time ago, and it's actually worked for me. It may not work for you for meditating during, during the day. When you actually recognize you're breathing, then think about that scripture that you learned. So, you know, you go about the day, a lot of times you don't think about, like, I'm breathing. But there are times during the day where you recognize, like, I'm taking a breath. When, that, when you have that just intuitive response, you recognize your own breathing, it, it signals me to do this. Oh, blessed is the man who, not, who doesn't walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And meditate on that. Think about, like, what am I doing here and how is this shaped by that? You meditate on it. You kind of, like, murmur it in your head. You memorize it. Maybe it would be good to memorize Psalm chapter one, verse one. I don't know how many of you have a discipline of memorizing scripture. But when you memorize something, it sticks with you. One of the things that we do here at Bay Area Christian School is memorize a load of scripture. As a parent of very young children, I loved it, hated it. Because then, you know, you're having to like help your kids do that. But as I've seen them... I graduate go on those kinds of things that stuff they memorize sticks with them i was in bible drill in 5th grade i hated it this is a confession it was kind of weird right i wanted to be an athlete and they were making me stand on sunday like do this present swords who can find it the fastest and then or, or and you memorize a lot of scriptures a lot of scriptures do you know all the time i'll be preaching and Miss Kennedy in fifth grade made me memorize all this scripture, and I was frustrated by it. And those scriptures come to mind to supplement the ser- sermon that I didn't, I didn't think about before I got up here. When you memorize something, it's planted deep in you, and you can meditate on that uh, more and more and more. And so maybe you, need to, maybe you need to read in the morning. Maybe you need to meditate when you, when you recognize your breathing. Think about that scripture, memorize it. Maybe you need to mutter it under your own breath. This is gonna sound weird. Time for a coffee break. Time to go to the restroom. On the way. Maybe you need to mutter it under your breath. It's just a signal just to to make you recognize. Mull it, think about it. We're always meditating and mulling on things. So be intentional about what you're mulling. What you're thinking about. The blessed life, then, number three, and verse three, is a biblically prosperous life. Now look at verse three. It says, "He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers." Now, <clears throat> I think we have to define prosperity, right? I mean, when you look at this, you, you, you might have a definition of prosperity that is, is Americanized. It might be that we need to redefine prosperity and look at it from a biblical perspective. So what is a biblical perspective? Just in this passage alone, if worldly prosperity is wealth, accolade, position, influence, opportunity, and power... Biblical prosperity is deep roots, strength to endure everlasting life, and riches in the eternal life. You can be begging poor and have all of that, okay? So biblical prosperity and worldly prosperity are very different. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. This is desert imagery. Stream of water is a deep wadi deep valley that only has water in it certain times of the year because it's raining somewhere else in Israel and it rushes down into that that valley in the spring. This is a tree that survives all year long waiting for water in the spring, just a little bit. It's got deep roots. The wind doesn't blow it away. the The drought doesn't blow it away and it continues to yield its fruit in its season. It doesn't wither, right? This is the The picture and all that he does, he prospers. Biblical definition of prosperity. He has deep roots, he has strength to endure, he has everlasting life, he has promises of the riches of eternal life. Jesus taught about this using different words. In Matthew chapter 7 13 to 14, he talked about a wide path and a narrow path. Listen to what he says to all of his disciples Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So the picture he's using there in the first century as a rabbi, there are these Roman roads that are as wide as this this room. There There are gates into Roman cities or Roman occupied cities that are huge. But if you go to like... a a religious Jewish settlement, what you're going to find is really narrow paths and really narrow gates. He's saying like you have a choice, prosperity, opulence, wealth, accolade, power, or you can choose the way of life, the blessed way, the narrow path. If you find it, Lots find the prosperity and the accolade and the power and the wealth and all that kind of stuff. But few find what it means to really be blessed. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. That's why I say this, like, like if you don't want to read your scripture, do it anyway if you 're an audible learner, like listen to it on, on an app there 's a million apps that will read your Bible to you if you don 't like to just sit and read and hear and, and he, let them read it to you so you can meditate on it. but do the hard thing do what you don 't want to do and do it anyway and what you 're going to find is is a, a blessing that you maybe did not expect. Jesus talks about it another way, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it's been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Again, he's using a picture they understand in the first century. You can build your house in the sand, which in Israel is in the bottom of that wadi. That's the only place you're going to find sand around there. In the bottom of that wadi, that valley rains come in the spring and it flash floods. So if you build your house in the bottom of a wadi, your house is going to flood. All of us did that here in Houston, Texas. What were we thinking? A lot of economy, a lot of gas, a lot of oil, a lot of flood. But here's what he's saying. Like If you hear the word of God and you don't do it, you're like the person who builds his house in the bottom of a wadi in the sand, waiting for the flash flood. It's just going to happen. You could be you could be wise. You could live a blessed life in such a way that you build your house on the rock. One that builds their house on the rock is one that hears the word of God and does it. That's the difference between a, a wise person and a fool, between a blessed person. And sitting in the seat of scoffers, a wise person hears the word of God intentionally and obeys it. In fact, this is the definition of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, one who hears and obeys. This is, according to the scripture, the blessed life. According to our Lord, the blessed life. The blessed man or woman delights in the law of the Lord and walks in the way of Of the Lord. Look at verse six of this this section. It says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Now, what does this mean? Like, does he not know the way of the wicked? No, he knows the way of the wicked. He knows which path you're on, the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. But to say he knows the way of the righteous is a Hebrew word. No, it means yada. Yeah, it doesn't mean yada. It is yada. It means no. It means to know like a man knows his wife. It know, he knows intimately the way of the righteous. So just extrapolate that out for a minute. He said, I'm the good shepherd. If you're a sheep, he's the shepherd. The shepherd knows the way of the righteous. We follow, he leads. What did Jesus say? Come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. John 10 says that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus said, the, I mean, David said the, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, this is the blessed life. So here's the good news. It works all over the world in any language, in any socioeconomic circumstance, in any set of circumstances. This is truth. If we said people who love God will be healthy and wealthy, that's prosperity gospel, and that's a lie. That's not the blessed life. The blessed life is what Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. So what about this week? It's going to be busy. How many of you know this week's going to be busy? Monday here, I mean Monday we have meetings, the teachers are coming, uh, we got kids on campus doing orientation, Tuesday school starts, organized chaos uh, for everyone all over the place, Uh, then you come home and homework and sports and arts and all these activities and and we got to work in there somewhere and then we got all the stuff, you know, plumbing and things that happen at home that you got to take care of and fix and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be busy. So what do you do? How are you going to apply this message and begin living this blessed life? Here's what I would suggest. Take Psalm chapter 1. You've heard it you, you're, you're, you've got a working knowledge of Psalm chapter one. Take Psalm chapter one. There are six verses in Psalm chapter one. Just be like God. On the seventh day, he rested. Shoot for six days. Six days. One verse a day. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Mold it when you breathe, when you go to the coffee pot, when you get up to whatever, apply it. Don't let this be informational. It's like, neat, that's what the blessed life is, but it doesn't change the way that you walk. This is how Jesus wants us to be blessed, to hear him and to obey him. All right, would you bow your head and close your eyes and just ask the Lord to speak to you. So, Father, we have read your word, and I pray that your Holy Spirit has spoken to us through the truth of your word. I pray that you would continue to speak to us, even as, as we go about our week this week. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, give them a heartbeat, a desire to be in your word. And even when they don't desire it, God, I pray that you would give them the discipline to open it and to read and to ask you to speak to them. I pray that you would speak clearly, that they could hear you and obey you. Father, help us to be a people that are blessed because we walk in your way, because we hear you and obey you. Father, we uh, thank you for making uh, what it means to be blessed so clear. And I pray that you would help us to accept this truth and to walk in it. No matter what our circumstances or situation might be personally, I pray that we would focus on you, that we would walk in your counsel, that we would walk in your way, that we would think the words that you want us to be shaped by, that we would find our belonging, our seat in you. Um, Father, as we as we go about this day, even, continue to speak to us uh, by your spirit through this word, and I pray it in christ's name. Amen.